Welcome to the Secret to My Success Show. Our guests will inspire, educate, and motivate our listeners who own a business or dream about being a business owner. Today's guests will share their stories and the secrets to their success. They have valuable insight with what they went through to start and grow their business. They will share the good, the bad, and the ugly. I promise it will be fun and valuable. Later in the show, former Major League Baseball player Luis Alaseo will be here talking to former celebrities and athletes about their transition from fame to being hands-on business owners. My name is Alan Bornstein. And I'm George Cruz. I'm kind of like the sidekick, but I'm better looking, younger, and funnier than Alan. Anyways, Alan and I will be with you throughout today's show getting insightful information. We believe you can learn from the successes and failures of today's guests. Each has unique and insightful experiences. This is the MBA program for those that graduated from the School of Hard Work and want to excel as business owners. Good morning. Thank you for being with us on this lovely Saturday morning. Our first guest, Mark Lake, an amazing guy. So tell us about skateboarding, Mark. We want to hear about you. We want to hear about what you did in skateboarding, and we want to know about your business. Yeah, well, I've, I've been skating for... 53 years, started when I was 10 years old. Wow. And um, I've skated basically through the entire evolution of skateboarding from clay wheels to, uh, well, started out metal wheels and clay wheels and urethane wheels, which urethane wheels changed everything. That's a softer wheel. They gave you a smooth ride and had more grip. And uh, the urethane wheel was actually invented right here in South Florida in Lighthouse Point. Wow by a guy that worked at a plastic factory named Frank Nasworthy, and he invented the urethane wheel. My daughter is absolutely, or was absolutely, she's trying to grow out of it, but she was into skateboarding, and she kept telling me she needed a longboard. And we went everywhere looking for a longboard. So tell us about a longboard versus a short board versus a competitive <laughs> board. Talk to us. Tell us. Yeah, there's, there's a bunch of different types. Longboards are for cruising down the road you want to take a ride down the down the beach or down you know it, down the street you're going to ride a longboard whereas if you're going to get into doing tricks there's there's boards for street skating which they call those popsicle shapes which the nose and the tail are the same exact shape and then you get into shape boards which are used a lot for for big ramps and pools and bowls but the some of the younger skaters now, most of the younger skaters do ride the popsicle boards. Wow. But uh, shape boards are making a big comeback. In the 80s, that's all anybody rode was shape boards, and that was because of the invention of big giant vert ramps, ramps that were like 10 to 12 feet high. And uh, so so right now, they're, they're making a really big comeback, shape boards. They're, they're even hard to get right now. And that's crazy. And just hearing you talk about that you've been skating for 53 years, I mean, I'm nowhere near that age, but I've been longboarding for a while now. But you seem very knowledgeable about all things skateboard. What made you want to open a woodworking industry? Well, actually, at, at the same uh, my, my older brother was was actually, he, he built custom cabinets and he did carpentry work and my dad did the same. And as I was a teenager, I started working with them. And uh, so it kind of went hand in hand, to be honest with you, the woodworking and the skateboarding, because in the early 70s, you know, that was when skating started getting really bigger, and people started building ramps out of wood, which goes along with carpentry. So in the 70s, my older brother... And my, my two other brothers, we, we built a really big half pipe in our backyard. That was like back in 1977, 78. And it was one of the first big half pipes on the East Coast. It was 11 foot tall. And back then skating, you always just wanted to find the next highest ramp to ride. You always wanted to go higher. <laughs> and that's how I became a vert, a vert skater, which a vert skater is big ramps that has straight vertical wall at the top of it. And, and that's how I ended up, you know, there, now there's street skating is really big, really big. Bowls and pools are really big. But for me, vert skating has always been what I've pursued because I've always wanted to go higher. Every, every ramp I skate, I just want to get higher. So, Mark, but there's a lot of varieties of skating. 
Mark, when was the last time you sk- you uh, were skating professionally or uh, competitively? Say that again. When was the last time you were in a comp- in a competition or you were sk- skateboarding in some probably, sort of probably tournament? Probably about four years ago, they had a uh, fifty and over division. It was a Florida Vert Series, and I skated in like three of those contests. So, so I like you know competed you know just like four or five years ago. And that, that was the last time I did compete. But I'm still skating. I, I still go to the local skateboard park, you know, once or twice a week. And they have a big vert ramp there that I built. It's Ramp 48 off Cypress Creek Road in Fort Lauderdale. They have an amazing facility there. They have a big street course. And then they have a little mini half pipe. They have a, a wood pool in the back. And then they got the big ramp. So it all, all, all types of skaters skate there. It's an amazing place. We want to know what your biggest fear is as far as skating and how many bones have you broken. Tell us your little medical history. We're not going to worry about HIPAA yeah. compliance, but I want to know what you've hurt. I'll give you a quick rundown. My first broken bone was my left ankle. I- I'm one of the first skaters. I am the first skater in the world to do uh, backflips on one of those big ramps. And in 1984, I broke my left ankle. I broke the ball completely off, and then that broke into two pieces. So it was major surgery, and they had told me they wouldn't know for three months whether the bone grows back or not or if it's going to die. And if it died, I was going to end up with a club foot. And, and uh, after the second surgery, they, they told me it was successful and the bone grew back. And six months after that, I was doing backflips again, and I did backflips up until I was 57 years old. And then uh, other injuries, I've had my shoulders, both shoulders I've had rebuilt twice. I've had four surgeries, two surgeries on both shoulders. And those were torn rotator cuffs, and then eventually I detached them. And they've all been repaired, and they work fine. And uh, I've actually got, got no aches and pains in my entire body, and I'll be 64 this year. Wow. Well, I hope that the company is helping you pay for all those medical bills. (laughs) <laughs> well, the good thing is, is uh, I, I mainly do all the pricing and the takeoffs and sell the jobs, and so I can walk around with one arm or one foot and still get my job done. <laughs> it all works out. Mark, tell us about your skateboard yeah. business. I know you're selling and designing, and some of the stuff that we've seen is pretty amazing. Tell us a little bit about that business. Yeah, I actually started it back in... I was actually manufacturing boards for another company, Walker Skateboards. I skated for them. And I built his boards for a couple years, and then I decided to go off on my own. And so I quit Walker Skateboards, and when I quit, he had nobody to make his boards. And my dad came to me, and he said, why don't you offer to buy Bruce Walker's tools, and then you can set up your own company, and you could still make his boards, but then you could start your own line of lake boards. And that's basically what I did was uh, I set up a deal with Bruce Walker where I had no money to start the company. That was my biggest worry. So what I did was is I made an offer to Bruce Walker to buy all his tools. And the way I would pay for them, there was about $15,000 worth of tools. And the way I, I told him I would pay for them, I would deduct 50 cents off of every board that I made for you and, until the tools were paid for, and he agreed to that. So that... Locked, locked him in with me building 30,000 skateboards for him. So I took that to the bank. I showed him the contract that I had with Bruce, and then they loaned me another five grand, which got me the warehouse and, and uh, got me set up and going, and that's how Lake started back in 1987. Mark, if somebody wanted to buy one of these boards, how would they go about doing it? you have a website? Yes, uh, lakeskateboards.com. All the boards are on there. We have shirts, hats, stickers, and we're growing. We we have a lot of lot of new products that are going to be coming out this year. So for any new skateboarder, parent thinking about buying one for their kids, grandparent thinking about buying one for their grandchildren, and they're all worried about it and freaked out, what advice would you give to them? It, it's no more dangerous than any other sport. You know, baseball, football, karate, motorcycle riding, anything you do, there's always a risk. And if you, you wear the right safety equipment, then uh, it, it's just as safe as any of those other sports. Awesome. Mark, we want to thank you for being here with us. 
absolutely appreciate everything that you've done. Your boards are amazing. And that's it. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mark. Well, thank five. you, man. It was great talking to you. You got it. Appreciate it. Since 1987, Lake Skateboards has been manufacturing their skateboard decks in the USA with Canadian hard rock maple. They have 17 skateboards to choose from, as well as a variety of shirts and hats. Check them out on lakeskateboards.com and follow them on Facebook and Instagram. Lake Skateboards has become synonymous with a quality product and excellent choices. That's lakeskateboards.com. Hi. We're Landing Financial Group. If potential tax increases in the future have been a concern of yours and you haven't done any real tax planning, I urge you to go to planwithlanding.com and download our complimentary guide, Are You Paying Too Much Tax in Retirement? Or you can always call us at 561-229-0009. Again, that's planwithlanding.com. Landing Financial Group provides insurance services, investment advisory services offered only by duly registered individuals through A Wealth Management LLC. When it comes to health coverage, you want solid value from a trustworthy company you can rely on. Florida Blue offers Medicare Advantage plans that can help you get more out of your health coverage. And don't you want more? Call Apple Insurance, your local agency for Florida Blue, at 888-MY-BLUE-8 to have all your Medicare questions answered and learn about different options. Don't settle for less than the value and stability Florida Blue has delivered throughout the state of Florida to Medicare beneficiaries for more than 25 years. Value, security, knowledge, and trust. Blue Medicare from Florida Blue means more. Call Apple Insurance at 888-MY-BLUE-8 today to speak to a licensed agent about your Medicare Advantage options. That's 888-MY-BLUE-8. Apple Insurance and Florida Blue. Call 888-MY-BLUE-8 today. Florida Blue is an independent license of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Association. Workgroup Payroll. We love small business. From one part-time employee to 300, we want to be your payroll partner. If you have questions about employment taxes, PPP forgiveness, or employee retention credits, we can help. Your business can be getting up to $5,000 per employee for 2020 and $7,000 per employee per quarter for 2021. Let's talk about how that works for your business. Call 561-953-2007. Would you rather get better service and pay less or less service and pay far more. It really will take less than 10 minutes to save over 20% switching to workgroup payroll. We make switching easy. Get the service you deserve, the price you like. If you are using a large national payroll service, we want to help you. Call 561-953-2007. Ryan Murphy, thank you for taking time away from your gym on Saturday morning. We're so glad to have you here with us. Thank you very much. Ryan, nice tell us here. a little bit about yourself. Where are you from? I know you're a Yankee fan, right? I am not. I am a Boston Red Sox fan from Boston, Massachusetts. And I own a specialized staffing firm located in Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, we do placements throughout the country, accounting, finance, technology, and administrative. Ryan, I've known you for a very long time, and you used to work for a company that used to have the saying that thinkerers are tinkerers. Stop thinking, (laughs) just do what we say. And you went from this to your own business. And I know there's a little story that where you went from there to how you got where you are. So tell us a little bit about that. Give us your story. Well, thanks, Alan. Yes, we actually worked together at a big firm. And um, after I left that big firm, I had been there for, I don't know, eight years. And I went and I worked for a boutique, if you want to say, in our business. And while I worked at the boutique, um, something became painfully obvious to me that um, I knew a lot more about the business than I gave myself credit for. And the boutique that I was working for uh, really did not know as much about the business And because of that move from the big business to the smaller one, that was the first time in my career or life that I thought I should own a business. Was that a hard move for you? It was, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely a hard move. I think it's um, 
I think uh, if someone says it's not a hard move, they haven't really thought much about it. Um, a lot of the feedback that you get and, you know, from people around you is, you know, it's, it's tough, which is true. Um, you know, you could go bankrupt, which I guess is true. Um, there's a lot of caution going into it from people around you. Um, but, you know, if you believe in what you're trying to do, um, you know, you have to forge through that, right? And I don't think anyone's really smart enough to know where it's going to end up. But, uh, you know, as long as you have the courage to take that first step, I think that's a, that's a big accomplishment to getting on the right track. Right. So that's how I became an entrepreneur. When you uh, told your family... What- when you told your yeah. family that you were going from a pretty successful role within a couple organizations to going out and starting from scratch on your own, what was the feedback you got? It was not good feedback. <laughs> it was you have a safe position, um, you um, have security, um, you have uh, someone else worrying about um, opening and closing the doors, which I guess is somewhat true. Um, but, but if you're that type of individual, which I'm not sure people are born to really say, oh, I'm an entrepreneur, um, and they're looking out for your best interest. But um, it was definitely um, worth the jump. As long as you, like I said, believe in what you're doing and you're committed to it, um, you know, it, 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 you know, you've got a good shot at making it happen. This is not your first business that you're in. I know you had started another business that you cashed out, sold, correct? That is correct. That is correct. That was the first staffing firm that I started, and it was started by um, necessity. I just thought that I could do a better job than what I had seen and um, was able to get it up and running within a couple of uh, months. And, you know, within two years, somebody came to my door and wanted to have breakfast with me. And I sat down and had breakfast with them. And this was the CEO of a publicly traded staffing firm. And then they started asking me if I wanted to sell it, which I didn't really understand what they wanted to buy um, until we started talking about it. And then it became painfully clear, you know, what they were looking to accomplish. And part of that discussion, you know, for anybody that's trying to do this is to realize that if you're in a market and you grow it, it's very hard for some of these bigger companies to just jump into your market and, and try to grow it from their organic side of it um, because they really don't know the area that well or have the right personnel. So, so it was a timing issue, but it was also we had built a pretty decent business in a short period of time. So when you sold that first business, did you agree to stay on with that organization? I did for a certain, for a certain time limit. And um, and I fulfilled that as well. And then, of course, in, you know, all big business, corporate America, people um, people grow. And then, you know, this company that bought me was a billion dollar company. I think they were sold to a bigger company. And at that point, you know, the, the whole management team had left that um, had acquired my company. And so I thought it was time to make a move again and get it and start another company with a little bit of a track record behind, which made it a little bit of an easier decision than the first time. Was it painful going from the big company to your own company back to the big company? Painful is an interesting word. It was different. It was, um, you know, going from your company to doing everything, the IT, the payroll, uh, selling, organizing to then going to a bigger company where you're more slotted towards, you know, this is what your responsibilities are. Some of them are, you know, pros and some are cons. But uh, I think at the end of the day, if you've been bitten by the entrepreneurial bug and in our case had some success with it, you know, you, you want to go back there. Um, it's like an, it's like a, uh, a wild animal that went to the zoo. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan. Eventually, you get bored in that zoo. You want to go back to the to the jungle, right? Absolutely. And Ryan, you say that painful is an interesting word, but the way you're describing it, it sounds like you were having a lot of fun while doing all of this. You were learning things every day. Tell tell us about this process of moving from your own company to then starting another company. Yeah, I think the key to what you just said for anybody that's thinking of doing this. Um, you know, there's great success stories of starting your own company, and there's there's a lot of failure in starting your own company, too. But the one thing that is consistent is what you learn. 
and by starting your own company, you are thrown right into it. And if you're aware and you're paying attention, you're going to learn so much. So it was, it was interesting the first run to see how much I was learning. And, you know, as I went back to the, to the big company, I did feel like my learning um, became stagnant. It was more, you know, you know, repeat, you know, routine, same thing. Um, and the people I was around, they, they didn't really want to learn new things. They, they, they knew what they, they were comfortable with what they, they, they knew about their business and they wanted to keep it on that Ryan, track. Ryan, I, I know yeah. that you are a very passionate guy. You're passionate about your business beliefs. You're passionate about what you want to do with your customers, what you want to do with candidates. How do you get that passion instilled in the people that work for you today? Well, I, I thank you, Alan. I mean, that's nice of you to say. You know what? I, I believe you just have to um, treat people the right way, and you have to have expectations for them that are clear, and communication has to be effective, and you have to stand by it. I mean, we're always – no one's perfect. You make mistakes. You, you recognize the mistakes, and then you change the course and go for a new game plan. But you do have to hold people to standards. And you have to treat them with respect, and you have to have good communication. And most people um, work well that way, opposed to surprises or not being told what's going on or what the objective is. So if I think clear, uh, concise communication and always talking about what the objective is. I mean, and you know, people like that. So you, you have to respect people. Ryan, we're going to have to wrap this up, but you've got about 30 seconds to tell anybody who's thinking about starting their own business. They're going from working for the billion-dollar company or a company with 20 people, they're going to go out on their own, what would you tell them? I would say pack a lunch, number one. Um, but, but, but realize that it's going to be tough at the beginning because when you start doing this, there is nobody that's going to give you a free ride. Uh, financing is tough to come by. Um, even good people that you know in companies, they are somewhat reluctant to just give you the business until you've proven yourself. But you need to believe in your, your goal, and you need to believe in yourself. And if you do, 100% you will get there. And I, obviously, surround yourself with smart people. I absolutely agree with that. And I've come up with the philosophy, there's a fine line between dedication and stupidity, and we all seem to cross it every day <laughs> as business owners. And when people come to me and ask me about owning a business, I get to tell them, it's funny, I only work half a day. And they're like, really? I'm like, yeah, I work from 8 to 8. <laughs> and I know that you are that guy that you were putting in 16 hours a day to make this happen. Easily. But you know, Alan, right? But once once you get to a certain level, it, is it really work? It becomes your passion, right? Correct. Ryan, we can't thank you enough for being here. We appreciate your time. If anybody wants to go to your website and learn more about your, you or your business, what's your website? It is www.baystatesearch.com. Now, you're just not in Massachusetts. You're in multiple states, correct? Throughout the country. That is correct. Throughout the country. Well, go Sox. Go Sox. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Alan. Thank you, David. All right. Thank you so much, Ryan, for being on the show. We appreciate it. Bay Street Search is a professional staffing services firm that provides direct hire and contract placement services. Accounting and finance professionals count on the relationships Bay State Search has built with companies from Fortune 500 to small businesses. They work with all experience levels from entry level to CEOs looking for their next opportunity, and they've been doing it for 34 years. They have clients and candidates on a local and national level, and they ensure that your unique staffing problems are solved. Learn more by calling five. No, that's not even a fucking number. Learn more. Visit BayStateSearch.com. That's BayStateSearch.com. When it comes to health coverage, you want solid value from a trustworthy company you can rely on. Florida Blue offers Medicare Advantage plans that can help you get more out of your health coverage. And don't you want more? Call Apple Insurance, your local agency for Florida Blue, at 888-MY-BLUE-8 to have all your Medicare questions answered and learn about different options. Don't settle for less than the value and stability Florida Blue has delivered throughout the state of Florida to Medicare beneficiaries for more than 25 years. Value, security, knowledge, and trust. Blue Medicare from Florida Blue means more. 
Call Apple Insurance at 888-MY-BLUE-8 today to speak to a licensed agent about your Medicare Advantage options. That's 888-MY-BLUE-8. Apple Insurance and Florida Blue. Call 888-MY-BLUE-8 today. Florida Blue is an independent license of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Association. Your workers' comp specialist. No money down workers' comp. Pay for your coverage as you use it. Non-compliant workers' comp fines from the state of Florida start at $1,000 when you get caught. They will find you. When you have questions and need help, WGP Insurance Services will answer your call. Getting the right coverage can save you thousands of dollars a year. Call 561-953-2007. If rising taxes against your retirement has been a concern of yours, you're not alone. We're Landing Financial Group. I urge you to go and download our complimentary guide, Are You Paying Too Much Tax in Retirement? at planwithlanding.com. Or you can call us at 561-229-0009. That's planwithlanding.com. Landing Financial Group provides insurance services. Investment advisory services offered only by duly registered individuals through A Wealth Management, LLC. This is Alan Bornstein, Secret to My Success. Thanks again for being here this crazy, ungodly hour Saturday morning. And we have a very special guest today. We have a guy by the name of Alan Miner. And Alan Miner is a resource that's been helping a whole lot of small businesses to actually get started by providing some websites and some blogs and some neat stuff. Because we hear a lot of people complaining that they've been charged thousands of thousands of dollars and they're just not getting it done. So, Alan Miner, welcome to our show. Thank you. It's great to be here with you all. Thank you. George, anything you'd like to say to Alan? Absolutely. Hey, Alan, how are you doing? Hey, George, I'm doing very well, thanks. How are you? Thank you for helping out with the website the other day, by the way. Uh, SecretToMySuccess.com was uh, was actually helped done by Alan Miner. So, when you get a chance, (laughs) go ahead and check that out, www.SecretToMySuccess.com. Shameless plug. So, Mike, we're going to get you in on this. Can you talk? I suppose. What, what do you, what's up? Talk so to me. This guy has done some websites. Yes. And some of the stories he's told me are, are pretty amazing. So, Alan, I'd like you to tell the story about somebody who actually wanted a sex toy website and for you to build it. Okay, hold, <laughs> hold on, hold on. I need to make sure I'm, I'm sitting down comfortably on that <laughs> one. Okay, talk to me. That was one of the more unusual requests. I've had, and, and uh, yes, that's exactly the case. This uh, this person, and it really was a team. There were uh, it was a husband wife couple. They wanted a website to showcase their sex toys, and they wanted to be able. They wanted this website to be able to make it so the person who visited the website could interact physically with the website. So. In what the ways? Was, uh, okay, yeah, I, I, that, that may <laughs> need some clarification there, Alan, because uh, I'm I'm a little freaked out. We're not talking about crazy things with a mouse, right? No, this is not crazy things with a mouse, but it was close. The idea was that if you were to touch various places on the screen, and of course I'll keep this completely clinical, if you were to touch various places on the screen, the screen would vibrate depending upon the toy being uh, perused, if you will. And this is the other request, and understand I had trouble keeping my uh, jaw up off the floor for these things. The other request was that if you were to handle the screen in a certain way, the screen would hopefully grow. That was, that was the, the double request that I had. And I had tremendous difficulty in telling the person that, no, that was not going to be something we could do right <laughs> then and there. I'm, yeah. That's um, a new spin at interactive website. That's exactly. a new spin on a lot of things. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's a new spin. It's a new vibration. It's a new resizing. So there was spinning involved, yeah. So let me ask you, how much did you charge them for this website? Well, remember, we didn't do the website finally <laughs> in the form that they were looking for. So I gave them a very, very economical cost, um, I ended up giving them our, our, essentially our standard cost, and when I, we did the website, we did a much more standard, much more um, less interactive, I should say, website. Uh, so, on that note, Alan, 
Somebody hands you a yep. business card and their email says so-and-so at AOL.com, so-and-so at Yahoo.com, so-and-so at gmail.com. What are your thoughts and what would you advise any business owner starting out that's actually going to pretend to use one of those email addresses? <laughs> one word. Don't. Don't. There are emails that make it look as though everything you're doing is completely amateur hour. Everything that you have in the way of content would be would seem as though it's homegrown, seem as though it's entirely amateur. And one of those things is an email address like that, at AOL.com, at gmail.com. One thing you have to do as a business where you want to have some growth, you must get your own domain name. It's very little known out there that there are millions of good domain names available to small business people. I've heard horror stories of web developers that have actually gotten the website for their clients and when they wanted to leave, they would not release the website to the client. That kind of thing drives me crazy because people in my industry suffer for that because they, the far too many web developers who do that really ruin our reputation. And the point of the matter is when someone pays you for the content that you've developed, if you're an ethical web developer, that person who paid for that content owns that content. And if that person paid for the domain name, that person owns the domain name. And as soon as that person needs both of those things back, he or she should get it back immediately. That's the ethical way to proceed. And that's what we always do. I've also heard of organizations that will, I'm not sure of the exact word, but they would look and see when your website was coming up for renewal. And if you didn't renew it, they would actually take your website and they would own it. And they'd actually charge you crazy amount of money to get that domain back. And and that's absolutely true. There are uh, pirate organizations, if you will, that are looking to to if you will snipe your website out or your your domain name out from under you. Because there are some wonderful domain names out there. And if you can get them, and then hold it for ransom, you can get quite a bit of money, especially if it's for a large company. And by the way, that actually happened briefly. To you ready for this? Microsoft.com, which expired because someone wasn't paying attention, and the person who then bought it immediately offered it right back to Microsoft. That wow. actually did happen, and I have a feeling that that inspired other people to do it in a, in a much more nefarious way and, and hijack other people's domain names. It, it is a terrible thing that happens. There's good news about that if you can't come out from under it, if you don't have the funds to either track the person down and launch the investigation out of the funds or the time. Again, there are millions and millions and millions of domain names, probably in the billions of domain names out there that you can have as well. And it can be a little bit less disruptive than having to pay who knows how much you need to pay to get it back or to take the time to get it back. What advice would you have for a small business owner just starting out that wants to put a website up and as far as a strategy to keep it fresh and keep it lively so that it actually attracts businesses. So either a website placement page or a e-commerce website where you can sell on. Um, well, actually, both are feasible. You hit the nail on the head when you said keep the website fresh. You have to remember that a website is a little bit like a magazine. A magazine comes out every month or every week or something like that. But the point is every new edition is different. Your website has to change as well too many visitors if they show up and see the same darn thing uh, every single time they go there they're going to say okay this website never changes i'm not coming back here again so the advice is very simple whether you're doing it yourself typically you shouldn't but if you're doing it yourself then you have to figure a way to keep it fresh that's thing one thing two if you go and get a professional web developer uh, designer which is the way you normally should proceed then make sure that he or she or his or her company has a way that, that they present to you where they're going to show you how they keep the content alive and fresh. And it, that's an absolute essential. Because if you imagine a magazine and you, put out, and you put out one issue for it, well, of course, that's no longer a magazine. That's a book. Your content must remain fresh. Okay. And so going off of that and kind of keeping it fresh, how would you help out a client that would come and ask for your services? Do you follow up with them every week? Do you follow up with them every day, every month? How would somebody, 
um, benefit from your services? Well, the very first thing you have to do is identify the extent to which they need to keep it fresh, and that's going to be driven by their business. But that also drives your follow-up with them. And what you need to do, there are many things to, to uh, guarantee or, should I say, facilitate success for both yourself and your clients because that's what you want to do. You want your website to work. But one of those things is perseverance, follow, and, and follow-through, those, those two things. So if their, their content is particularly dynamic and requires once-a-week follow-up, then you implement a once-a-week follow-up with them, whether it's a phone call, an email, and then you push. you got to follow up and then persevere because otherwise that content is not going to stay fresh and your client is not going to have an effective website and then he or she is going to become very discontented with you and, of course, at that point the relationship sours. So follow up and perseverance and stay according to the plan. So establish the plan, whether it's once a week, once every couple of weeks, once a month, but make sure you, you stay with the plan and then follow through on it and then that will make your content uh, and make the person's website content effective. Effective so, and fresh. My buddy Mike McGann would like to create a website. He would actually like to be able to raffle off or bid off his services for dinner on Friday nights. Every Friday, we're starting back to zero. It's actually a really good idea. Yes. <laughs> so he would like to create a website that women, men, anybody who'd like to bid on having him entertain them on a Friday night. Wow, this is suddenly getting <laughs> different than what I normally do. But by all means, uh, Alan, tell us about it. What would be a good strategy there? <laughs> well, first of all, it's an interesting uh, interesting idea. But there are services out there that can handle that. So don't forget there's another piece of it, this that's important. Your web developer, designer, should be cognizant of the various third-party services and companies that are out there as well who can supplement what the web design developer uh, does. So there's, there are third-party services to which he can point to, or he can suggest that he might set up some type of um, uh, interactive page where people submit their name and their bid, and, and that goes to, say, Mike McGann, or it goes to some person who's processing it. You have to be careful. There are rules and laws that cover things like lotteries and raffles, but if you're keeping it, uh, uh, put it this way, you need to investigate what those rules and laws are. But again, it's important to understand that no web developer slash designer knows everything about all functionality for all websites. So he or she should be able to identify uh, appropriate, uh, cost-effective, good third-party services and companies out there. If there are requests for websites and for functionality, it's a bit different from a little bit off the beaten path. Alan, we want to thank you for being here. We appreciate you coming on the show. We appreciate all the work you do for us and all the small businesses that you help. Thanks for being here, and you have a wonderful Saturday morning. Thank you. You too, and uh, my pleasure, and thanks for having me. Thank you. Starting a new business can be fun and exciting. My father taught me the best way to do a great job is to have the right tools. You'll need a website, a dedicated email address, and a local Google presence to drive traffic. These are not nice to have. They are a must. Potential customers will search the internet for you. If you're not there, they'll only find your competitors. We offer the most cost-effective services to get you on the internet at super affordable prices. You concentrate on doing your business. Let us help you get more paying customers. We offer great pricing to get you profitable results. Let's talk about your business. Call me at 860-656-5014 or go to our website at www.webmart50.com. WGP Insurance Services. Most people don't know when your workers comp coverage is canceled or lapses, your insurance carrier notifies the state of Florida you have no coverage. They make it really easy for the state to find you. The state will find you too. Please make sure you are covered. Find start at $1,000. They have the right to order you to show your bank statements and all related documents. It is cheaper and easier to get the most affordable coverage with no money down. Call 561-953-2007. If rising taxes against your retirement has been a concern of yours, you're not alone. We're Landing Financial Group. I urge you to go and download our complimentary guide, Are You Paying Too Much Tax in Retirement? at planwithlanding.com. Or you can call us at 561-229-0009. 
That's planwithlanding.com. Landing Financial Group provides insurance services. Investment advisory services offered only by duly registered individuals through AE Wealth Management, LLC. When it comes to health coverage, you want solid value from a trustworthy company you can rely on. Florida Blue offers Medicare Advantage plans that can help you get more out of your health coverage. And don't you want more? Call Apple Insurance, your local agency for Florida Blue, at 888-MY-BLUE-8 to have all your Medicare questions answered and learn about different options. Don't settle for less than the value and stability Florida Blue has delivered throughout the state of Florida to Medicare beneficiaries for more than 25 years. Value, security, knowledge, and trust. Blue Medicare from Florida Blue means more. Call Apple Insurance at 888-MY-BLUE-8 today to speak to a licensed agent about your Medicare Advantage options. That's 888-MY-BLUE-8. Apple Insurance and Florida Blue. Call 888-MY-BLUE-8 today. Florida Blue is an independent license of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Association. Good morning. This is Alan and George from Secret to My Success. Thank you for being here at some ungodly hour in the morning on Saturday. We appreciate you listening. We have a very special guest. We have Mark Scheinberg. I've known Mark for probably way too many years. In fact, we met at an NSVP, National School Volunteer Partnership Program, where they put together businesses to get us to work with the local community. And Mark was my hero back then. And welcome, Mark Scheinberg. Dean, what's your official title of Goodwin University now? I'm president. President, yes. So when I met you years and years ago, you had a little program, one room called Data Institute, correct? That's pretty close to right. I I bought this little institution when I was 24 years old, and and, uh, when you're bulletproof, you're not really thinking that far ahead. And so I bought this little school with six students in it, that was not accredited, that mostly did work for uh, the state rehabilitation agencies. They were people with disabilities for the most part. So um, that, was, that was the early beginning back in 1981. When we met each other, it was a little bit later in the 80s when we were uh, doing work with the Chamber of Commerce and other things in town. But um, as you know, with most little businesses, you, uh, you take real risks all the time that can kill you. And that was no different uh, for me back in those days. <laughs> I remember the marketing campaign way back when with a guy named Charlie, and he had people on the buses going up and down East Hartford and Hartford and passing out cards for you to gain students. Yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's funny how the iterations have changed over the years. Uh, that probably sounds like the silliest thing anyone's ever heard of. And now certainly all of our marketing is done through uh, some form of, of social media and uh, leveraging our websites and all the other resources that we have. Before that, it was mostly you know, print and radio advertising. But before that, when you had no money at all, uh, an easy way to do things was simply to do guerrilla marketing and try to find out where you might find, uh, in our case, students that might come to school. So, yes, it was, it was in the trenches with a startup trying to figure out how to find what students you could be most helpful to. So we know where you just started. We talked about, at the very beginning, six students. I remember that nice old German woman that you had that was a teacher. What was her name? Wow, you, you have a great memory. Yes. What was her that name? That was Mrs. Wotenko, who I, I bought the school from. And she had, she had gotten out of uh, Nazi Germany and escaped and was a refugee. Um, and... Uh, this school had been her baby until that 1981 day when, when I actually thought I was all that and purchasing a school from somebody when, in fact, I was being interviewed to see whether or not I was going to be allowed to adopt her baby. And, um, and so the power of that conversation wasn't the buyer with money. It was the seller deciding whether or not you were worthy uh, to come aboard and, and do this work that she had uh, dedicated her life to. She was the social worker, and you had to go for adoption papers. Pretty much. Exactly right. So we know where you were. Tell us where you are now and what's going on, and then we're going to talk about the road in between. Tell us about Goodwin University. Sure. Um, Goodwin is one of those stories. It was one of the fastest-growing universities in, uh, in New England. We have about 3,600 students. 
Uh, demographics are we're just about half and a half minority majority, average age of about 30. Two-thirds of our students have been someplace and failed. About uh, 85% of our students work while they're at school, and uh, about two-thirds are single parents. So it's a, it is, for many of our students, uh, not only a second chance, in many cases a last chance to try to uh, set their lives straight and be able to do something better. In the last year, we also acquired the University of Bridgeport, which is another large university who has about 23 master's programs and five doctoral programs, and that is another institution that also has about 4,500 students. So between us, we have about 8,000 students in uh, two large uh, university footprints. So from that one school, um, Goodwin has about oh, $200 million in property, and We've added to that about another additional 220 or so million dollars in property down in Bridgeport on the beach. So it is, uh, it is one of those stories that is unusual because no one expects you to make it this far and we continue to grow. What you've done is just simply amazing. How many employees do you actually have at uh, both universities working under you? Um, probably approximately 2,000. Crazy. Uh, besides these universities, we also run two magnet high schools, and we have our own school system. We're considered to be a, a school system by the state and federal authorities. We have lots of students that are international students who come in uh, for any one of these degrees. And um, so it's a pretty complex organization at this, at this point. So you have two, high, two magnet high schools that you mentioned. Do you offer them a program to transition your students from that high school into this university of yours? Yeah, uh, you know, conceptually, we make it hard for students unnecessarily. Uh, so the people in these high schools, at the same time as they're in high school, they take dual credit, so they take some college classes. It's not at all unusual for people to be finished with at least a year of college by the time they graduate their high school uh, program. So they graduate with a high school diploma and usually a year's head start in college. Wow. And so, so considering a student that hasn't that does not go to this high school so let's say i just graduated from high school and i was looking to go to your university what would be the incentive of say me not going to a state college but going to your university instead uh, probably more than anything retention i know that uh i know right now we're we're pushing very heavily properly for things like free community college and i and i think that's a, a great aspirational goal but um, you can have great community colleges in certain parts of, of the country, and you have ones that are struggle more in different other parts of the country. In Connecticut, we've had free community college now for the better part of two years, and their, their enrollment has actually dropped about oh, 15% in the last two years. Now, some of that's COVID, of course. Wow. But we were finding even before COVID that if you're going to school solely on the basis of the tuition, it's probably a mistake. Uh, at Goodwin, uh, our cost is probably similar to our state university, the uh, University of Connecticut. So even though we're a private, we don't typically cost any more than that. And at the University of Bridgeport, frankly, uh, their average tuition that they actually charge people is less than that. So what's, what's interesting is that people get the impression that going to a private school is going to be more expensive and nothing could be further from the truth. Uh, nationwide, the average discount rate at private universities is over 50%. So yeah. the bigger price is really what people are paying. And then probably the bigger reason is that you don't come for the cost, you come for making sure you can get out and be working in the field, and that's what we're best at. We make sure that every single program that we have has to have a 90% uh, placement rate within 90 days of graduation and if they don't have that we will actually prune them it makes no sense for us to offer a program to students if they're not finishing and if they're not finding jobs so wow. it's, it's a much more uh, draconian way to look at it but it makes sure that we are we are always producing for our students mark you took an interesting turn years and years ago you were a for for-profit business and i remember when you transitioned to being a not-for-profit to create the college and now the university. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your thought process as you did that, because it was brilliant. 
but it was brilliant, but it was also pretty eccentric. If you talk to, uh, it was at a point where things were really going very, very well, where I was, remember when, uh, like any other small business, when I took over this place when I was 24, I went three years without a paycheck, which is not unusual, an unusual entrepreneurial story. But uh, at this point, we were doing very well. We were, we were collegiate in nature, uh, so we were giving out degrees. And um, I had to think about what this would look like, like what would this legacy be? And the two choices tended to be that you could either sell the place, like to one of those large chains, but my truth was that I did not want uh, this institution to become part of a, a large for-profit chain for reasons which you know, we may or may not have time to discuss. But rather than that, I, always, I wanted to make sure that our students were getting the most benefit they possibly can. So, so I had always decided that at some point when I retired or you know, if I passed away, I would give this place away as a nonprofit. And so there was that moment when you said, if you're not just fooling yourself, then pull the trigger. Give it away. And so I did back in 2003, 2004. I did not get any renumification for it. It was I didn't have a management agreement. I didn't have uh, there are a lot of things that people can do to make sure they're getting their value out of the place. And, and I did none of those things. I basically just signed off my stock to a nonprofit corporation. And it's been very karmic because all these things that have happened since could not have happened if this were about me owning a small place and trying to grow it. So it was not just a transition, but you try to do something that's more transformational, and it has been that. It has also helped me uh, in my journey because I was given a lot of moral leadership when uh, a moral authority so that when we're trying to do the difficult thing, people know that I've walked the walk as well. Mark, I've always been a fan. What you've done is simply amazing. We are so happy to have you on the show. In fact, we have so much more to talk about. We're going to invite you back. We'd love to be able to do another session about this and kind of take it to the next step. But we really, really appreciate everything that you've done. I know you've done so much to the town of East Hartford, and now it looks like you're going to do the same to Bridgeport, which I'm sure can use your your touch. Well, that's very, very kind of you, and and it's it's always wonderful to talk to friends from the beginning who were supportive and helpful long before uh, people recognized what was going on. So thank you to Alan. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate you being here, and uh, you have a great day. Back right back at you. Take care now. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Secret to My Success on Legends 100.3. Tune in next week for more from Alan, George, Lewis, and their spectacular guests. Find the secret to your success. Unlock your career potential with a graduate degree from Goodwin University. Our master's programs provide students with a flexible education in a supportive environment. Come as you are. We'll get you where you want to be. Visit goodwin.edu slash masters to learn more. Start classes this fall. Ready to take your career to the next level? Further your education with a graduate degree from Goodwin University. Don't wait. Today is the day. Come as you are. We'll get you where you want to be. Visit goodwin.edu slash masters. Start classes this fall.